Hello and welcome to Project U. I'm your host Leighton Collins and this is series two. So uh, we're into our second bit now. We're looking today at uh, well-being. So we're thinking about physical well-being and mental well-being. We'll do the same thing we always do of holding up that big lens of thinking about careers and careers thinking. You'll have in your mind your job sector that you work in as you're reflecting on yourself. You'll think about your workplace. You'll think about maybe that workplace you're trying to get into if you're not already there. Uh, but we will come back mainly to you. So there'll be questions for you to think about and hopefully there'll be hints and tips and actions to take away. As always, there'll be a little two minute version that goes with this as well. If you're too busy uh, with life to consider your well-being, hopefully two minutes will prompt a few thoughts as well. But for now, let's get into it. One hundred and eighty five point six million days of work are lost a year to sickness in the UK. One hundred and eighty five million, just over one hundred and eighty five million days of work are lost to sickness last year in 2022. Now, that is kind of the equivalent as I looked into the nerdy stats. That's the equivalent of industry across the whole country just shutting down for an extra six days. It's the equivalent of just over 95,000 extra full-time workers sat home on the LEMSIPs and feeling poorly and so on. It's the equivalent of nearly 8% of the full-time NHS workforce, and it's nearly 30% of the entire workforce of Tesco. This sickness is estimated to cost the UK over £100 billion annually. So it's a big deal. Even if we are heartless, and we're not, but even if we were heartless, there's a significant hit to the economy. There's lost tax. There's impact to industry. There's the prosperity of that company that you might work for or might even be your company. There's the neighborhood that you live in and the businesses that operate there. So work and business is suffering because we're suffering. But we're not heartless and we don't just think about those kind of economic hits. There's a human story behind there, that human story that might involve you. I imagine you've had a day off sick at some point in your life. It might involve someone you work with. It might involve someone you care about, but it does involve someone just like you. So let's have a think about our well-being. So physical well-being It's that, you know, I'll just phone in. I can't come in today. My back's gone. I can't come in today. I've been in an accident. I've broken my leg. I can't come in today. Uh, my tooth's just come out. I've got an emergency dentist appointment. So um, hopefully that'll be sorted today. A physical injury that's damaged our body and stops us from doing our work, either practically because I've broken my leg or because I need to get this bit of body fixed before things get worse, the dodgy tooth. Uh, but a physical thing that is going to be physically repaired after a period of time and a bit of help. What about this? I can't come in today. Uh, I've got food poisoning. The old, eek, I'm on the toilet, uh, diarrhea, vomiting. I can't come in today. I've got flu. I feel, uh, I feel awful. I'm voting in sick. Can't come in today. I've got a nasty ear infection. It's thrown my balance out. And if I'm standing up, I just feel like I'm about to collapse. I feel awful. So here, another physical ailment that's less visible. It's not the broken leg that's in a cast. Uh, you know, if you've got flu, yeah, there are effects and some some of the other less pleasant effects of some of the other ones. But we'll just leave it at a snotty nose for now. But you get what I'm saying. There are vis visible effects, but the body and some medicine will put things right, hopefully. 
the doctor's given me some tablets and I've been signed off work for a few days or for a week or whatever uh, and then all will be well this time next week and I'll be back at full action I'll be back at work and I'll be back in my play but I'm poorly what about this I can't come in today I'm having a panic attack so I've just texted that to my manager because I couldn't even make the phone call I can't come in today I'm just feeling really down I can't come in today because I'm so stressed uh, I drove to work I got just to the end of the street and I, I got so stressed I had to drive home I can't come in today I'm, I'm just really anxious about I don't even know just really worried so you think about our mental well-being and thankfully that is much more high profile than it was five or ten or twenty or certainly fifty years ago but is that still regarded as a lesser reason than a broken leg it's less visible isn't it you know feeling a bit down we can cover that up we can mask it actually and there's a lot of the stats that we might come on to about particularly about young men who hide a lot of their um, mental well-being and their emotional state so you can cover up that anxiety or that depression but you can't cover up the broken leg or the you know the tooth that's out and the blood pouring out your mouth is it still regarded as a lesser reason for work what do you think still has a massive impact if you are having a panic attack you can't do a shift in the same way you can't if you've just broken your arms um, interestingly, I looked at more stats as well. So uh, this was just the NHS as an employer. So it wasn't the whole country. But six million days were lost last year to mental health and well-being related reasons in the NHS. Six million days. And almost a quarter of all sickness in the NHS that year was mental health and well-being. And sadly, that's an increase of just over 25% between um, the last three years, 2019 to 2022, which obviously includes COVID and, and will have had a huge impact on many people. But a trend that's moving in the wrong direction and hopefully that begins to decline. Uh, as I looked into more kind of stats and data and nerd stuff, minor ailments accounts for about a third of absence, 10% are musculoskeletal, so that could include our dodgy back. And just around about 8% of all illness was categorised as mental health conditions. Maybe some people who are struggling with their mental health find it easier to phone in and say, I've been sick all night, vomiting, so I can't come in. So who knows, if we look at the data, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But think about the company you work for. There will be lots of measures that are in place and have been put in place over the years through stuff like health and safety to protect your physical self. And there'll be training that goes with it. And you'll have done these little courses or you've read this thing and you've signed to say that you've read it. There's safe equipment that's regularly checked and maintained and monitored. There are spaces that hopefully are well heated or well cooled to suit us, to create a suitable temperature to be working in. If you're working at a desk, desks have been designed to be sat at for extended periods because if your job involves being at that computer for eight hours, yes, you're going to get up and down and move around, but you're going to be comfortable, it's going to be at the right level, you're going to be at eye level, you're going to have a good chair and so on. You're not just sat on an old stool. Particular hazards, chemicals and stuff like that will be stored correctly and will be well labelled. So that danger that might have been there 50, 60 years ago is no longer there. Trip hazards have been tidied away. We will have all done training about kind of, you know, 
that sense of safety and then things like lifting and the equipment we use to lift or ladders that we need to use to move around and things like that and platforms if we're going to be working at height all that sort of stuff has been really thought through so arguably that will have reduced certainly work-based accidents but some of that physical sickness where I'm kind of half stood up on a chair trying to do this thing when I should really have a bit of a scaffold platform and I've slipped and fallen off and that's me done for a week while I get better. So you can see that things have improved in the workplace in health and safety. You've probably, like me, will have grown up in the time where those improvements are already in place. But you'll have seen some stuff change over the years and you've seen things like that with COVID. If you think outside of work as well as in work as well, there's a lot being done to limit those minor ailments. That minor ailment is likely to include basically fluey kind of coldy stuff and sickness and vomiting and diarrhea, that kind of stuff, isn't it? So you think about food standards, you think about our general fitness. And, you know, if you wonder what I mean by that, Google some images of people your age from like 50, 60 years ago, and people in their 40s look like old biddies because our general fitness health well-being is better now uh, so our general fitness our healthy eating our good hygiene the reduction in drinking and smoking and stuff like that so that can be in work and outside of work can't it even stuff like the impact of covid so better hand washing things like hand sanitizer and hand gel on the go perhaps it's still a little bit of social distancing yeah we don't all stand two meters apart but that consideration of others, if you're coughing and sneezing, you don't just blast it in someone's face. You might move yourself away and cough into a tissue or then go and wash your hands and stuff like that. I remember in COVID when it was like, you need to wash your hands for 20 seconds. So sing happy birthday because that lasts 20 seconds. It's a bit like, who's not really washing their hands when they've just sneezed in their hands or they've been to the loo or whatever? Um, they're just kind of perhaps going under the water for one second. Think about um, our mental health, so our mental well-being, much more high profile for sure, absolutely. But perhaps the context of life is pushing our mental well-being even more so than it did a generation ago. Life is busier than it was in the past. Um, and if you don't believe me, and I'm not, we're going to get into technology in a moment, but I remember as a kid, going to the petrol station in the car with my dad because it closed at a certain time of day whereas now when my tank's nearly empty it can be three o'clock in the morning if i'm driving from one place to another oh great grab some fuel so we've got much more kind of 24 hour access to a lot of things um i remember when i was a kid and i'm only in my 40s that the television would stop at whatever midnight or whatever and they used to play the national anthem and then they would show this test card and it would just be this like beep and that was it no telly whereas now we've got millions of channels and on demand and whenever you want it you know you work nights you can still watch good good stuff on the tv can't you so the rise of technology in particular even in the last 10 years or even in the last five years to make me not sound too old means that life is busier means that we're always on the go You've got your work email on your phone. There's the pressures that come from social media. And I don't just mean the pressure to be seen or to act in a certain way. I just mean that addictive nature of perhaps the first thing you do in the morning is kind of half awake, grab your phone, check your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever platform you're on, or all of them. And that's straight into the day, addicted. 
can't put it down. So the pace of life is also very busy. The distance that we might commute, um, that begins to eat into our downtime. If you worked 15 minutes away from where you used to live, you had more leisure time. Whereas now if you live an hour, an hour and a half away from where you live, that's a big chunk of your day, which is still kind of committed to your work. Home working, working from home, that blurring of rest and work, perhaps even into one space, perhaps even into one room. I know of people during COVID, younger people who were living in house shares and so on. So to keep a restful place, they would be like, let's keep the living room as a social space. No one works in the living room. That's where we go to hang out, watch telly and, you know, have downtime. So you were working on a computer, perhaps sat on the end of your bed, which is meant to be your restful space. Maybe that has still continued for some people. What about um, the demands if you have a family? Well, whether you have a family or not, but we'll think about a family. Perhaps now we have two working parents. Uh, Perhaps there are clubs and groups for the kids to go to. There's the luxury of 24-hour shopping, but then you're finding yourself wheeling a trolley around the supermarket at half past 10 at night. And you're like, what has my life come to? I'm still stressed because I'm still on. I'm still thinking. I'm still buying the Cocoa Pops for the kids and I should really be getting ready for bed. There's the choice that technology affords us as well, which has led to us perhaps always being stimulated, always feeling busy. When was the last time you were bored? Like, really bored? Was it as a kid? Or do you still get bored as an adult? There's always the option to take that device out of your pocket, that phone, and whatever. Watch a film, listen to some music, start learning French. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's, it's there, ready and waiting. You want to do something? Let's go. There's lots of choice. Let's do it. Even scrolling that Netflix menu can be stressful. What on earth shall I watch next? Think back before all that on-demand stuff existed. And you may have been a kid or you may have been a younger adult. But you would turn the TV on. One, two, three, four. If you had satellite and stuff, great. Keep going for a few more. But you would go, oh, brilliant. This is what I want to watch. There's this show or this film or, well, there's nothing on. Turn it off. Whereas now Netflix, it's like, yeah, there's 300,000 things and there's always going to be something for you. So I'll just keep scrolling, 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 scrolling. I'll find something eventually. Is that stressful? That extra choice. All right, let's carry on a little bit. So add into all of this context of that busyness that I'm kind of making the point of that mental health is better understood, more uh, commonly diagnosed and less taboo, I suppose. It's it's more accepted. If a friend said to you, I have um, been diagnosed with depression, you you know, okay, great. Well, not great, but you know, I mean, that's a really honest and open conversation you can have. It's much more normal. So none of these things are new, but thankfully they're better acknowledged. There's more understanding, uh, both professionally, but also in a cons- in the sense of society. There's more understanding of stuff. Rewind for a second, not literally, don't rewind the podcast. Rewind for a second, figuratively, and think about your manager. Now, if you phoned in sick tomorrow because you'd been in an accident, you'd broken your leg, what would they say? What if you phoned in and I've had those dodgy shellfish, went out for a meal last night, I've been up all night um, praying to the great white porcelain God, shall we say, I'm not well. Um, What would they say to that? What if we go back to that example, you just text them. So a lot of companies say you must phone your line manager. What if you texted them 
say, I'm really stressed, can't get out of bed, sorry. What would they say to that? Let's take that another step as well. Think about you visit your GP with those things. What would they say? Are you still getting a sick note for all three? Are you getting appropriate treatment for all three? Is there actually um, more attention now paid perhaps to the, the stress? And that captures your GP's attention and they actually are with you in that moment and offer you some more advice and refer you on for some stuff. Don't know. What do you think? And then think finally about um, your friends, your family, maybe your work colleagues as well. I've had a car crash. I've broken both my legs. That's awful. Are they bringing meals round for you and offering to tidy your house while you're basically stuck to the sofa with your crutches? If you are wiped out, immobilized, that ear infection, labyrinthitis, can't really move, really sends me all over the place if I stand up. Is that same support coming? Oh, don't worry. I'll pop around the shops on my way home and I'll drop you a few bits in. What if you're feeling down at the moment? Would they notice? Would they reach out to you? Do they ask, as, as we all do, how are you? And then follow it up with, yeah, how are you? As a second chance to go, actually, yeah, I'm really struggling. When the first one is met with, yeah, I'm okay. If they know that you're struggling with your mental well-being, how do your friends, your family, your colleagues respond to that? And it's hard to know, isn't it? You can't just say, here's the answer, I fixed it. But do they respond with stuff like, if I can help, I will, or well, I, not even can I come round, but I'll come round and sit with you, I'll grab some biscuits. And that, you know, you could still push that back and say, oh no, please don't. But that's a little, it's not overly forceful, but it is certainly supportive and friendful. I ain't got the answers, but I'll sit with you. We'll have a cup of tea. We'll have a chocolate hobnob and I'll sit with you. As we think about those things, is there still an imbalance between mental and physical well-being? As I was going through those things, whether it's the boss or whether it's the GP or whether it's the friends, were you thinking of, of you know, the, the kind of obvious physical injury, the disease injury or the mental well-being injury, if you will, uh, and thinking, actually, no, it doesn't extend that far with that person. My manager would just tell me, I don't care call me now or I will call you and get yourself in, pull yourself together. So as we think about them, is there an imbalance still in mental and physical well-being? Is it hidden beneath the surface? So we know what we need to say, oh yeah, mental well-being is important, but actually beneath the surface, do they believe it? Or are they going, it's not, it's not as legit as if you've broken your legs. We're really busy, so you need to come in. Do you know any people who might tell you to just get on with it while your left arm is in a sling? Do you know people who would um, just give you an extra strong lemsip for that flu and say, come on, crack on, we're short staffed? Do you know people who would meet your mental well-being with, oh, pull yourself together, it can't be that bad? If you were in a position of authority or if in the future you hold that role, how would you react to those things as well? Um, and I guess just the tiniest caveat on that, I suppose if you had someone who phoned in with vomiting every Monday because you knew that they went out on the beers every weekend because they're a younger member of staff, maybe you notice a pattern. But mental well-being is harder. What if they are phoning in out sick every Friday? Maybe they power through the week in absolute bits and then they fall to pieces by Friday. So it's hard to know. But what can we do? 
What can you do about it? That would be a good thing to think about if you find yourself in a position of authority. Okay, let's uh, try and lift the mood a little bit. That felt like that landed a little bit kind of negatively towards the end. Let's think about our well-being and what we can do about it and what we can do about those around us as well. We're going to start physically. So I did a bit of research, found some top tips from various kind of supportive um, organizations and charities and agencies. And this is what they came up with. But before I dive into it, we're all different. We all have different levels of fitness. We all have a different quality of life. We all have different things we're struggling with or we're not struggling with and we're powering through with really great mental well-being. Um, so I'm not saying that it's one size fits all. And I'm not saying that you should go and do that six hour gym session or run a marathon before you've even had your breakfast. But there are good ways to look after our physical and mental well-being. We'll look at physical first. So these were the hints and tips that I found online. Stay hydrated. Keep a track of what you're drinking. And on busy night, busy days, make sure that you're taking breaks. So if you've got one of those massive two litre bottles on your desk, and you realize you've not even stood up for four hours, but you've drunk it all. You probably need to go for a wee now, um, but you've drunk it all. You should still be doing something to leave your desk or perhaps leave your workstation in that quieter moment and get a couple of minutes. Going for a drink is a really good excuse to do that. Going to get a glass of water or popping the kettle on can be a real blessing, particularly in busy moments when you just steal a little bit of time back so that you're ready to take on the rest of the busyness. But you're ready to take on physically hydrated. Think about your diet. I'm not going to tell you to go on a diet. I'm not going to tell you what to eat, but be aware of it. What are you eating? How much are you eating or how little are you eating? Which things are a treat and which things are the norm? Um, are you getting a variety in your diet? Are you eating fruit and veg? Are there things that you don't like so you need to replace it with others? What's your body maybe telling you, I need a bit of this? So you can sometimes listen to our body and it can yeah, I just need something sweet to kind of lift me. You can almost sense it in your body. If you eat while working, be aware of that. So you live in five days a week on pre-packed sandwiches or things that you've bought out of the vending machine. Awareness is the first step, isn't it? Of being able to make a change about something. I'm not saying you've got a problem, but if you notice that you were just living on, I don't know, you do a lot of driving. So you're stopping for um, food all the time at the service stations and it ain't great and it's not good for you or you're eating while you're sat down. Can you bring in some actual food that you've cooked and can you move away from your desk or your station to actually sit at a table and eat, maybe with other people as well? Okay, let's think about self-care. Um, an interesting one that we might overlook, uh, but I know that health healthcare um colleagues would would say this is important as well grab a shower do your hair have a shave look after yourself stick some deodorant on you know powder your feet do whatever it is that you do it's a, it's a good routine it's a good routine which will actually benefit our mental health but it's also if you think about your car for example you wash it you put uh, windscreen fluid stuff in you put fuel in you change the tires you pump the tires up with air do you know what I mean you maintain your vehicle to so maintain your body keep it in good shape look after it with that self-care and then with that as well that sense of staying active which will look different for all of us whether it's the gym or sports or running or cleaning the house burns loads of calories because I've got so much mess to clean up maybe it's a walk around the block just before I settle down for the evening. Maybe I get off the bus one step early, so I've got a little 100 meter walk to get home. 
if your job glues you to a desk for eight hours at a time, find ways to break that up. Even if you need to set a little alarm on your phone or whatever, so that you realize, all right, I've not moved for three hours. That's probably not good for you. So find ways to break it up and then find ways to stick activity outside of your working day because you're in quite a sedentary job there, aren't you? If you're a nurse on the wards, you're probably walking 50,000 steps just doing your job. So that is keeping you active. So maybe you need to think about some other stuff. And then finally, with our well, with our physical well-being, um, I'll treat you like adults, but, you know, drinking, smoking, drugs. We know that we know deep down that these things aren't good for us. And yes, half a pint of beer or a small glass of wine with your tea isn't the end of the world. But we know these things aren't good for us. So be aware of yourself. Be honest with yourself and talk to others. Um, I think addictions are less likely to grow into a thing if you have friends who you're honest with and they can hold you to account if you are going to develop a drinking you know maybe even a gambling as well but that's less physical but if you're going to develop a drinking dependency it's more likely to take place in the secret place isn't it where it's what happens behind closed doors with drinking is it every night can you work a couple of dry days into your week how exciting is tuesday can you live without a glass of wine on a boring old Tuesday? Is it that weekend binge drinking? And is there something you maybe need to change there? Did you do that when you were at uni and now you're a bit older and you spend all of Sunday hungover? Well, is that a waste of a day? And can I do something about it? There's lots out there about the middle class professional borderline alcoholic. So it's a nice, you know, 12 pound bottle of good red from Waitrose every night doesn't feel as grubby as some cheap cider in the park. But there's a dependency still there, isn't there? Can you unwind without those substances? Can you still chill out at the end of a day, end of a busy day, without a glass of something in your hand? It's good for you to think about. I'm not here to judge, but you need to think about it. Okay, I'm just going to take a little break there, and then we're going to move on to mental well-being. Okay, so mental well-being. I just wanted a little break to have a sip of my tea there, actually. But uh, that jingle has probably given you a little bit of time just to think about physical well-being. Before we get into mental well-being, um, there are things that you already know about yourself. Uh, there are things that work for you and things that don't work. Things you'll have tried and things that you're like, yeah, that's not me. Well, that's fine. Follow the path. Um, follow that path of self as you engage with stuff. You know, listen to your body, listen to your mind. Is this good for me? All right, it works for someone else, but yeah, whatever, not for me. So don't do things just because you've read it somewhere. Don't do things because I suggest it. And especially don't continue with things if you find it actively unhelpful and it, it impacts your well-being uh, to a negative extent and, and brings about more stress. Okay, so I grabbed these top tips about mental well-being from the Mind website. And there's loads of really interesting links to more articles and stuff like that if this is something that's on your heart and you want to find out a little bit more. So the headlines were relax and reduce stress. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thanks for that, Mind. Uh, but we can break it down a little bit. So do what works for you. A bath, a walk, a cup of tea and a biscuit, stepping out into the fresh air, 
You don't need lots of time to do those things, but you can do those things for a lot of time. You go for a long walk in the countryside, you can have a really long bath. Uh, do you know what I mean? You're probably not going to have a massive cup of tea, but some of these things you can do just for a moment, but you can extend them as well and gain even more relaxation from those nice things. Take a break. I've spoken about this in some of the past ones, just that ground yourself through your senses. See something, smell something, hear something, feel something, taste something. And when you're really, really stressed, just taking that moment, it helps to almost remove yourself from that stressful situation so that you're like, ah, okay, I'm back, back, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> Have fun. That's a nice little subheading. Have fun. Read, play, cook, phone the friend. We're all different. Whatever it is you enjoy, have a bit of that. Do some of it. Take some time off technology. Leave the phone. Uh, don't just immediately slump on the sofa in front of the television, particularly when there's nothing on. So take some time away from tech and do something a little bit different. And you might well find that that is, oh, look, this is a bit different and new and fresh. This is relaxing. Nice. Be self-aware. Uh, so it's hard to manage stress if you don't know it's there. If you don't know you're stressed, it's hard to deal with it, isn't it? Try not to bottle things up. Don't just assume, oh, well, work's busy at the minute, so it's just that. It might actually be something else. Find ways to learn and be creative was the tip number two from Mind. Uh, so think about it. This gives us some focus. It gives us something to pour our energy into. It distracts us from the stress, perhaps. And potentially there is something to show at the end of that time that I've invested. Maybe I will draw or paint. Maybe I'll bake or cook, play music. Maybe I will just write. I don't know what. Maybe I'll write a blog or a poem or a short story. Maybe I'll go out and build something with my hands. But it gives you that focus, that distraction and a product. You know, if baking is the way that you unwind, great. Because then I get to unwind by eating your cake with a cup of tea. Also creativity, groups and classes. Again, there's that focus. There's meeting other people, which is beneficial. And there's an element of a commitment, which, which can be good. Be careful because that might stress you out as well, but it can be good. Join that choir. Go to that cookery class. Sign up for that art class, those things that you will enjoy, many of which might only be a fixed period of, of sessions. Some may be an ongoing commitment. Online online learning, maybe that would help you. Something like Duolingo, you want to learn a language, do that. It's just something different to break things up. Is there the danger that you get addicted and suddenly you can't, you know, you're getting stressed because you might lose your 500 day streak because you're busy and you might not get on it today? something different find ways to be creative and to learn something different have you ever knitted if you're a big scary bodybuilder big burly man have you ever knitted maybe you should give it a try you might love knitting and it might be the most relaxing thing once you've done all your weightlifting and all the rest of it did you hate pe in school okay well you're older now you're not a kid Maybe that running club would really suit you and you would make friends and you would enjoy that running. I know some of you will hate it, but I like it. Um, top tip number three for our mental well-being, spend time in nature. Fabulous advice. Just get out every day, even if it's even if all you can manage is to get out into the garden or to go over the road to the corner shop. Get out in fresh air every day. More if you can.
bring some nature indoors that little house plant if you're working from home perhaps might just lighten your mood or the you know the stuff that you've got when you're coming back to your home to relax that nature indoors can be relaxing animals get a tortoise because they're amazing but if you really must get a cat there is actual research out there about cats that they lower stress and they're a calming influence they don't come with a shell though so they're not quite as cool as a tortoise but animals can be a really relaxing um, stress reducing thing to have in our life connect with others so talk to people um, especially men it's really stark the things that are out there men might be more inclined to hide their feelings because they want to portray themselves in a certain way it's not seen as this kind of alpha male thing to talk about what's going on, particularly if what's going on is a struggle. For younger men in particular, suicide, sadly, is the leading cause of death. And they are over three times higher than the rates of suicide in women. So talk to people that you trust. It is okay to not be okay, men, and you should talk to other people. And when your friend talks to you, it's not banter time, it's listening and supporting time. But use your friend, so you will do, won't you? Okay, reach out to maybe more professional help, peer support, other groups, uh, those routes that might lead you to something else. And on a more positive note, connect with others isn't just about preventing negativity and things like that. Have a social life, go out, team sports, phone that mate, after work drinks, online gaming, do things. People are good for us. Even for introverts like me, people are good to have around. So spend time with people who give you life. Look after your physical health was one of their tips, and we've already run through that. So echo the thing, water, diet, hygiene, stay active, lay off the booze as much as you can. Sleep. Sleep is a big one. So try to get enough sleep. This is their last one that they spoke about. Set a routine as much as you can. Include a rough bedtime and a rough getting up time and aim to get the right amount of sleep that you need for your stage of life. Avoid screens. It's part of that winding down um, process at the end of your evening, reducing that mental stimulus. There's also the stuff about the screen light, particularly off our phones, that can affect our sleep. So avoid screens. Even if you are going to have half an hour where you're kind of chilling out, why don't you have a book by your bed and read that instead of scrolling through this screen that's going to keep you awake? And if you do wake up in the middle of the night, particularly if you're in a, a stressed time of life, you might well wake up at 3 or 4 a.m. Try and avoid that phone. Don't let that be the first thing. I'll just pick it up and start scrolling because you'll go from waking to being fully awake because you've started reading BBC Sport rather than being a bit awake where you've got a chance of rolling over and maybe drifting back off to sleep. Wind down as we're getting towards bedtime. So part of that routine and part of winding those screens down, but further than that, do you have, uh, I don't know, a cup of herbal tea at night time? Do you like to have a shower before bed? So if your bedtime routine starts at 10, it begins with turning off the telly, going and having a shower, getting the old PJs on and you've already spent like 15, 20 minutes and then you're getting towards getting into bed, aren't you? Make your environment comfortable. That's why I highlighted those people working from home. So make your bed in the morning, like make your bed. 
so that when you're coming back at night, you're greeted with this peaceful welcome for your tired head to dig into, as opposed to this carnage of duvet and pillows that you abandoned in a rush this morning. Stuff, silly stuff, perhaps, like, have you got a favourite pillow? Have you got a favourite bed set that is really relaxing? Do you have a reading lamp next to your bed? Have you got that really cosy blanket that you pull on in winter and the just nice thin sheet that you use in summer? But make the environment comfortable. If you have to work in your sleeping space, when you finish your work day, it goes away somewhere, even if it goes in a bag and gets tucked in the wardrobe or something like that. But remove the other aspect of self from that space. You're no longer a worker. You're no longer at play. You're becoming sleepy you, aren't you? So they're the kind of hints and tips that are out there for managing our mental well-being and our physical well-being. It's important that we think through that lens of careers that this isn't just about sleeping well or whatever. Um, bring your work into this as we're, we're going to wrap up in a little bit with the top tips and stuff, but bring your work, bring your career into what you're thinking about. Having, having spoken and thought about physical well-being, mental well-being, are you stressed at work? Is it causing you to lose sleep? Is that project that you're working on waking you up at four o'clock so you've managed to get off to sleep but being I'm awake and I can't stop thinking about that meeting I've got later or that piece of work or that deadline that's coming up what can you do about that so obviously our work is important to us but where is it encroaching into places where it just shouldn't be yes you're probably going to discuss your work day uh, with whoever you live with yes you're probably going to think about work on your drive home But has work really got any place at 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? Certainly should you be checking that email that's just pinged and woken you up because you forgot to turn your signal off, whatever. You've got to consider those things. So as we've thought about all that stuff about how we can relax, you know, the routine, the class you're going to do, the creativity, something you're going to make, you've got a cat, you've got the nice bedding, you've made your bed, You've thought about your physical well-being, your drinking and eating and all that sort of stuff. Where is it just the busyness of life that might be making you a little bit wobbly and you're having to deal with that? And where is it the busyness of business that's getting into places it shouldn't be? Now, yes, you can solve it by going for that walk around the block, getting out into nature, having that herbal tea, all the stuff we've just spoken about. But where do you actually need to draw a line and maybe even talk to somebody at work talk to your manager talk to your leader whatever um, and say at the minute I'm I'm getting quite stressed I wanted you to know boss that all week this week I've been waking up in the middle of the night thinking about work and manager what will you say to that you're just going to say tough suck it up deal with it part of the job or are you going to say okay we need to stay on top of this because quite easily you could break here and we could um, have you signed off sick with stress for some time. This is not healthy. So how do we rein this back in before it goes too far? So I really want to just throw that bit about kind of looking through the lens of careers before we get into our top tips of what we can take forward. Let's have some final top tips and we'll wrap up. So I would suggest this top tip. Number one, know yourself Know yourself and when you're stressed, because when you recognize that there's something that you're aware of, that's when you can begin to do something about it. 
Top tip number two, physical and mental, both important. And you might be physically fit as a fiddle right now, but struggling mentally or vice versa. Mentally, sharp as anything, but physically your body's in a state and your body needs to recover. So know your physical self, know your mental self and know what works for you. That's top tip number three, isn't it? Know what works for you. Don't go and join a running club and run a marathon if you hate it and it's going to cause you stress. Don't just assume that a cup of tea will make it all okay. But for some people, those things will work. So find what works for you. Try stuff. And bonus top tip number four, last top tip. Talk. Really, really genuinely talk to people. Professionally, personally, be open and honest. Try and build up that relationship with your manager where if you end up with mental uh, well-being illness, that they'll still receive that as well as if you phoned up and said, I've had a car accident, I've broken my legs. Okay, thanks for listening. I hope you find some stuff in there that's really helpful for you. I hope you're well. I genuinely hope you're well and that you don't need any of this stuff, but you might need it in the future. Or you might need to signpost a friend to some of this stuff. It might be that you're supporting a friend and this helps you be equipped to do that very thing. If you are struggling, I'm sorry to hear that. And I hope that there are some little hints and tips that maybe you've not thought about before that might be useful for you to take away. There's a lot to think about. And hopefully as we went through them, there were things just ping in your head where you're going, yeah, 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 I'll try that. That's not something I've done before. Or yes, I am in that space and I do need to do something about my um, Waitrose wine addiction or whatever it is. So as always, thank you so much for listening. We're into season two now, aren't we? In our kind of self-reflective sessions. Um, that sounds very professional, doesn't it? Self, Self-inward-looking episodes, we'll call them that. Um, drop me a like if you haven't already. Leave a review on the platform if you haven't already. I, that helps the algorithms find people for us. Um, but more importantly, word of mouth. If stuff like this, that work-life balance or this well-being stuff is going to be helpful for a friend, point them in the right direction. If that person's really busy, point them in the direction of the two-minute thing. And they might think I'm nice enough to listen to the longer one. But until next time, I appreciate you and I will see you later.